This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. This is the show where I, Eric Fisher, your host, talk to the people behind the productivity. We talk not just about how to be more efficient and effective, but how to do life and work with meaning and purpose. This week, I have two guests at the same time. I thought I would do something a little bit different and pick a specific project and walk with those creators from the idea and the inception of that idea through to the planning and the execution as well as the when do you decide something's fully done and even how do you put it out there and market it and decide what that project is for. And this goes for not just creative projects, but also business type projects as well. You get that idea where it's you know a, a business project where you walk a complete idea straight through, as well as if you're creating a, a work of art, if you will. The project is a podcast called The Podcast Producers, which you can find at thepodcastproducers.com. And the guests are Jessica Rhodes and Corey Coates. Each of them have been involved with podcasting and audio content producing for a while now and are huge podcast fans. And Seeing as this is a podcast that you're listening to, I thought, you know, as a listener, you might be forgiving of walking through a specific project that is a podcast that honestly, I think is worth your listen. In fact, I am one of the many guests on this podcast, which consists of 10 episodes. That's right. You can listen to the whole thing like I did even on a road trip over the course of a few hours. And I really enjoyed it. In fact, like I say in the episode, I got back to it, listening to it, and forgot I had said some of the stuff and said, wow, you guys really tied a great narrative together telling the story through all these different voices, and you made me sound smart. And so if you can do that, then uh, you know you must know what you're doing. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this behind-the-scenes look at the podcast producers with Jessica Rhodes and Corey Coates. And I hope you check that podcast out because it's really cool, 10 episodes. Again, you can find that at The Podcast Producers. Dot com. And as I promised, I want to give you a quick lynda.com course selection recommendation. And in fact, I'm going to give you three. It's a, a freebie. It's not a freebie. It's a freebie. If you're not familiar with lynda.com, you can check them out at lynda.com slash to do. That's T-O-D-O. And yes, that's an affiliate link that helps support this podcast. Lynda.com has tons, like literally tons. I don't know how much digital stuff weighs, but whatever. Probably the weight of the servers that holds it. But um, bum. Lynda.com has online video training tutorials, and it's not course by course that you pay for it, which is the genius thing about this setup is you do a monthly payment, you get in, 
you can consume, you can experience, you can learn as many sessions as you want to. You can even take those to go on your digital mobile devices of all sorts. It's awesome. I've been using it for a long time now to really round out my education. Seeing as this is an episode dedicated to podcasting and creating podcasts, the love of podcasts, enjoying podcasts, lynda.com has more than three different courses on each of the major audio editing platforms. They've got ones on the free stuff like Audacity and GarageBand that comes built into your Mac. It also has Adobe Audition. So if you're looking to get started with podcasting or get better at podcast editing, those are the courses you need to go check out. Again, go to Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-O-D-O to help support this show. You get a free trial of Linda and you can go in and you can pretty much consume at least a course or two, if not more, in a week and learn for free and get hooked like I did. Go check it out, Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-O-D-O. This week is a little bit unique. I get to welcome Jessica Rhodes and Corey Coates. Welcome, guys. Hey. Hey, Eric. <laughs> and I hope you can tell by by the names and the, the voices, which is which. <laughs> I'm Jessica. <Corey. laughs> yes. <laughs> Jessica's got this really deep voice. And... You guys are playing around in the space here, podcasting space. And I want to start by giving some context to this thesis idea I had once I concluded listening to your project, which was the podcast producers. Before we describe that a little bit, I want to give a little more context to who you are and what you do as far as podcasting goes. So uh, ladies first. Okay. Well, you know, as you all probably know, I'm Jessica, <laughs> not Corey. And I am the founder of interviewconnections.com and we're the premier source for booking outstanding podcast guests. So for um, several years now, I have been working in the podcasting community, finding and booking guests. So just being a master connector and networker and building lots of relationships within podcasting and actually started my own show back in the fall of 2014. So I've actually been a podcast podcaster myself just over six months now. But when I then created the podcast producers with Corey, I feel like I got a crash course and have quickly become a veteran podcaster with all the interviews <laughs> that we did for that show. So that's just a little bit about kind of who I am in the podcasting space. Before that, though, you were huge into podcasts and you kind of got that from your yeah. husband, right? Yeah, I've been. It's funny because I was talking to Elsie Escobar at New Media Expo and I had this light bulb moment where I realized, you know, the, so the story I told on the show is that I really got into podcasts because of my husband. He's a big NPR junkie and always has NPR in the car. And so we listen to a lot of podcasts together. But I realized as I was talking to Elsie that actually the first time that I discovered podcasts was when I was on iTunes searching for yoga classes. Uh -huh. And I'm like, I need to go back and re-record the podcast producers because that is actually when I kind of made the connection of podcasts because I wanted to, you know, I was doing yoga in, you know, in my apartment. And of course I had like all these yoga DVDs. And as I'm searching iTunes, I was seeing all these yoga video podcasts for free. And I'm like, I've been spending $20 on DVDs. This is like, 
it's I feel like we're I can you believe nobody buys DVDs anymore. I'm only going back like four years. Right. Um so I'm like used I'm buying, you know, yoga DVDs at Target and here they are for free on iTunes and I'm like podcasts like they're free. <laughs> so that's kind of like a little bit of an update because I didn't talk about that in the in the show because I frankly I didn't remember till I'm talking to Elsie of Elsie's yoga class. So yeah, it was just really, it was um, a whole new world was opened up. And I mean, that was several years before I even started my business and got into podcasting as an entrepreneur. Interesting. Corey, what about you? How did you get interested in podcasting as well as uh, to the point of working in podcasting? Way back in the day, um, I was a huge fan of Leo Laporte and the screensavers and all that kind of geek TV. And back in 2004, um, he introduced Twit, you know, his first kind of podcast. Um, and I'd been listening to his radio shows as well. So I was a kind of a big fan of his work. Um, but when I discovered podcasting and, uh, you know, through Leo and his network, I realized, my goodness, this is actually a great medium for just about anybody to jump onto. Uh, I was running a project music recording studio at the time and I had a teaching practice as well. I was a professional musician and an engineer. And, uh, I thought this is a great way to get together with some friends talk about independent music and start spinning some independent music uh, in a podcast form. So I think it was about 2005, 2006, released our first episode of a very popular independent podcast, uh, right around the time that I think iTunes you know, integrated podcasts into that platform. So we became popular really, really quick. We had you know, 10,000, 20,000 downloads per episode in a time when there was maybe only, I think, like 100,000 listeners in this sphere. Uh, and then from there, I was just hooked, you know, doing some talk radio shows, transferring them over to podcasting. Uh, I just, I really have never stopped uh, until recently where I felt like, gosh, maybe I should step back a little bit and do more of a meta program about podcasting itself. So I've been kind of in the game, Eric, for maybe about eight years now. That's interesting. I know that the, uh, my story kind of coincides with that where, I didn't know what a podcast was, didn't have any kind of interest whatsoever. I was doing a, a data entry job, sitting there all day typing away and had my iTunes playing. And suddenly I see you know a pop-up on this old archival Windows machine saying, iTunes has an update. And this was June of 2005. I don't know the exact date, but that means we're basically coming up on 10 years of podcasting inside iTunes right now, wow. currently. Yeah. And that was it for me. I came back from my quick bathroom break while it updated. And I was like, what's this thing called podcasts over here? And I started clicking through and I'm like, oh, it's uh, audio <laughs> shows. It's it's June 28th. I just I had to scroll through Wikipedia for a second. So June 28th, 2005, iTunes 4.9 added built in support for podcasts. There it is. Wow. So, yeah, we're we're coming up on you know in a month. We'll be there. It's crazy. I wish we could. Gosh, I really wish that we could say we created the podcast producers as a 10-year anniversary of podcasting. That would be You can always <laughs> go back and re-edit those it. files and replace is- them. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about this. Okay, so we're all huge podcasting fans. We're also all doing podcasts. We love podcasts. We're connecting and networking with podcasters. <laughs> but what was the inception of this idea of doing a serialized story about podcasting itself called The Podcast Producers? You know, I felt like uh, at the end of last year, uh, I discontinued some of my podcasts because I was really focusing a lot of my attention on producing content for my clients. And at that time, I thought maybe I should do something because I missed being on mic. I really missed putting these things together. 
And I remembered about two, maybe two and a half years earlier, um, I was asked to do a pilot episode uh, of a program for NPR down in Central America. And that show was called um, Contrabandas, right? So it was a, basically a program that was going to be um, seven Central American countries focusing on seven bands in each of those countries. Uh, and after doing that sort of pilot and putting that together, I realized that this is an amazing format. It's a good way to kind of step back and do it, you know, serialized as a story that you're telling and then narrate the story and then inject your own opinion, your own angle on everything, but do it in a way that I think presents it, uh, you know, so it's very palatable to a listener over a long period of time. And when I was looking at doing a new podcast, I thought I should do something related to the podcast space um, just to kind of increase my visibility within this market. And it really, you know, it really came to me. It's like I talk to amazing podcasters every single day, you know, be them new clients that I'm bringing on or just people within the industry or even just Facebook chats and conversations. And I felt like, you know, these guys are telling amazing stories that aren't really being well conveyed in their own programs because they're too busy. They're in broadcast mode, you know, they're on their own content. Um, But I want to get kind of behind the scenes and learn more about them. So the idea was how can I present these podcast producers in a light to people who are maybe new to podcasting or seasoned podcasters, that kind of makes it a little bit more human, you know, something a little more, I don't know, easier to digest, you know, you, you're, it's more relatable to folks. Um, so that was kind of the idea. It's like, I better create a podcast that has something to do with podcasting, but I really didn't want to do it in a way that was going to be, you know, this long form, never ending interview format um, that is, you know, a great way to go for those that have that, you know, long tail form. But for me, it was more like, I got to find a way to package this and present it to people. Um, and at the same time, you know, I was watching like House of Cards and I was just binging on all these Netflix shows. And I thought maybe there's a great way to combine all of this. And of course, Jessica came up with the idea. It's like, why don't we just make it 10 shows and just release them all at once? Okay. So then how, yeah, how does Jessica enter into this <laughs> further formation of the idea? I couldn't do it alone. There was just no way. You know, I felt like I can do it by myself, <clears throat> but it's going to be, you know, just a very, I don't know. I didn't have a full perspective of podcasting that I think somebody else could bring to the picture. And I'd been working with Jessica. She'd been booking a lot of guests on uh, some of my clients, guests, that sort of thing. And, and gotcha. we, we got together, I don't know, Jessica, maybe a year ago or something. No, not even. Cause I just hired, I mean, I'm a client of Corey's at Podfly and I, I use, Podfly for my podcast. So I've only known you, Corey, since, I don't know, September of well, we, 2014. <laughs> we've been through wars together. That's wow. incredible. I know, right? I feel like I've known you forever, but we just, yeah, I mean, um, a mutual client of ours uh, connected us. And and at, at that time, I was getting ready to start my podcast. I don't even think Corey realized that. It was like just very perfect timing. And he just wanted to, I think, I think Corey just called me to because he had a lot of clients that were, you know, booking guests and things like that. And meanwhile, I'm getting ready to start my podcast. Hadn't, you know, basically didn't even know how to open up GarageBand, let alone edit a show. And so I just learned what he did and I hired Podfly immediately. And so that's kind of how we got started. But then we, you know, we're fast friends just because we kind of have a similar philosophies around podcasting and business and stuff like that. Yeah. And then Corey came to me, you know, several months later. So what, why the heck he wanted me to co-host it with him? You got me, but I'm. (laughs) 
well, I think, think it was yeah. it was twofold. It was yeah. one like Jessica is obviously an expert at booking guests and has a lot of that those connections already established with people that I thought might be appropriate for the show. And yeah. second, Jessica's an awesome podcaster. She's really good at interviewing people. She can get you know an interview guest very comfortable immediately uh, and start talking about things that isn't normally their boilerplate answers. Um, so I pitched it to her. I said, you know, I think we've got something here. I think I've got a beginning and an end. And I actually put together a proper pitch proposal and sent it over to Jessica and crossed my fingers and said, I hope she's on board with this because I think she'd be perfect for it. I was really flattered by that, honestly, because, you know, as mentioned, I had only been podcasting myself for a few months. So to be recognized as someone that was good at it was very flattering. And so, um, I mean, when, when Corey emailed me about that, I, you know, took the time to kind of review what he said. He sent me a, a link to the, the pilot that he had done for NPR, um, a few years back. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is good stuff. I mean, it was very, very high quality content. And so then we, from there, we just had a conversation around, okay, what would this all look like? And having it be a 10 episode series saying that there would be an end date was, was really, you know, important. Um, it was important for me just because you know, when you go into any type of business partnership or co-hosting a show together, you just want to make sure that you don't ruin the relationship in any way, that there, you know, nothing bad happens. So for us, we laid out like what each other's responsibilities were going to be, um, you know, start and end and all that stuff before we both said, okay, let's do this. A lot of people, when they first start a new project, even if it's in their field already, they have that doubt of, can I really pull this off? Is this really the right thing to do? Did you have those, you know, those doubts come in as you were planning and starting? Well, for me, I I think the key is having low expectations. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Let well, me explain. You exceeded those. <laughs> <laughs> we okay, I think Basically, Corey and I brought very complementary uh, skill sets and attitudes and, and personalities to this project. This really was, and I keep saying it is Corey's brainchild. It was his initial idea, and then he, you know, invited me to take part in it. It has become a project that we created together. But he brings a lot of the the passion around producing, you know, a, producing a show because he did all the post production and the editing and everything. So he brought a lot of the passion and I brought a, a little bit more of like the the marketing and does this make sense for business? Because as much as this did really become a part hobby, part business venture, I started saying like, this has to make sense for me to spend a lot of time on because, you know, I'm running a business. I've got a two-year-old. I'm pregnant right now. Like I just didn't have a lot of time to create a whole show that wasn't going to produce a return on investment in some way. So I you know, I really let him know that, all right, this, this, you know, podcast has to make sense for me and my business in some way. So I actually forget the initial question, but that's kind of what we both kind of brought in complimentary uh, viewpoints. Like I think Corey, you were like really passionate about creating this show and I, and you also agree it's good for business. We don't do any self-promoting really on the show at all. There's no like promotional, this is production of, um, or anything like that other than on the website and our bios, but no, I totally agree. I mean, the whole purpose behind creating it was to get a little bit of um, recognition and credibility, I think, within the industry for for Podfly, my company as well. Um, because though I'd been producing podcasts for, for many, many years and we're running a successful company, I think that I found um, within some of the circles of the industry, a lot of people are like, well, you seem cool, but I don't know you. I've never heard your work. 
And I thought maybe I should have something that at least showcases my work because, you know, even a lot of the people that are in our industry, they have their own shows. They have their own URL people point to and they download the show and they go, okay, I get this guy. You know, he's, he's got some skills. So I thought, for, and you know, initially that's the idea is I got to do something that's going to represent the skills of our production house uh, or my skills as a producer as much as delve into the project as a passion project. So, you know, there was very much a business decision as it was, you know, just doing something that I think was going to be art. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think the thing that Corey and I both have in common is we've both been behind the scenes people in podcasting. Like, you know, I started my own podcast, you know, six, seven months ago, but really majority of the time that I've been kind of around this space, you know, I've been behind the scenes, booking other people's guests, helping other people with their shows. Same thing with Corey. So I think this show was also an effort to, you know, for Corey, absolutely to demonstrate our skills of, you know, having great interviews, great guests and producing a great show, but also becoming thought leaders and authority figures in podcasting. Because, when I kind of look at the podcasting space and, you know, entrepreneurs with podcasters, 
you know, there are those that really focus on having a big personal brand, a big following, big audience. I think Corey and I, majority of the time that we've had our businesses have really been focused, been kind of behind the scenes and working with clients and building two pretty successful businesses and podcasting. And so this was kind of our chance to kind of get out from behind the curtain. It sounds to me like a lot of the doubts were washed away pretty quickly then because you each had complementary skills and started to really talk each other into it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we set hard targets as well. I think mm-hmm. you know, Jessica and I were amazed when we finally got to release that it really took us two months, you know, to put it together, about eight weeks from starting our first interview to actually releasing a product. Wow. And, uh, and for us, I mean, that was kind of the thing. You really don't have time for doubt. You're just too busy right. getting this thing done. And I think that's a really great motivator. If we had not put a hard release date on this thing of, of April the 6th, then there's probably, we'd still probably be editing it, arguing right now, and it might not have ever even gone out. Yeah. And we talk about, I mean, we were really, really firm on that. We set a release date and, you know, it was strategic. We wanted it out before, I think it was a week before New Media Expo because we wanted a chance for people to listen to it before being at the conference where a lot of podcasters go. So there was strategy there. But I mean, I'm always talking about that to, you know, just people in podcasting, my clients, like set a launch date and stick to it. And then, of course, Corey and I are listening to her like, oh, we should have changed that or, oh, we could have changed that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we could have been, well, Corey could have been editing this show and adjusting, you know, different things in the, you know, in the show for months. And it, we could have kept making it better, making it better. But honestly, from my perspective, it is any show is better to be out and being listened to than to be in production, being edited and edited and edited. Yeah, it's funny because Jessica said to me as, as I'm working on it, you know, as, as an editor, you kind of get inside your head. Uh, and you spend a lot of dark hours in a quiet room, you know, working on all these things. And uh, Jessica, you quoted, I think it was Zuckerberg or something where you said, you know, done is better than perfect. And I remember it's like, gosh, mm-hmm. that really kind of upsets me because I want it to be perfect. But at yeah. the same time, it's like, you know what? It's better that it's just done because those imperfections that you and I notice are not imperfections that, you know, the majority of listeners are, are, are finding. Yeah. yeah, that's true. John Acuff, if you're familiar with him or not, he has a quote that's similar to that. It's something along the lines of, 90% done and out there changes more lives than 100% done and perfect and in your head. I love that. So, yeah, I kind of yeah. – and that's that's one of the things I'll ask people, you know, well, then how do you get to that 90%? How do you figure out, okay, what's good enough for my standards and to put out there without nitpicking and holding on to it and trying to tweak it endlessly till it's perfect and perfection? Well, and-, and a funny thing happens because – 99% of, I mean, 100% really of all the feedback that we've gotten has just been overwhelmingly positive and people love the show. But even people that love the show, like we still get comments or feedback like, oh, I heard, you know, this little chain, you know, you guys should change this or, oh, you should change this to your website or, oh, you should make this change. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. like, it's really easy to criticize oh, yeah. a show when you did not just spend like hours upon hours upon hours for just, you know, <laughs> a short amount of time putting it together. So regardless of how amazing it is, like you are always going to have people that, you know, give you helpful critiques. And it's like, <laughs> thank you for that unsolicited yes. advice. <laughs> Those that didn't do the work are easiest to offer up their constructive criticism. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's great. Well, I I mean, I I listened through it all in in, in essentially two sittings, literally, in my car. So it was always fun. I'll say this, Jessica, I want to echo back what Corey said about your interviewing style and skills, which is that when 
I remembered being interviewed by you for the show, and I remember thinking, man, she's asking awesome questions. This is a fun conversation to have about <laughs> something I really like, podcasting. And then I had forgotten everything I'd said. And then, Corey, when you edit it together, like I'm just like, whoa, I just said something super profound. I can't believe <laughs> I even knew to say that. So the combination really did pull off something that is greater than the sum of the parts, to be honest. So well, thank you. You were actually the first interview that I recorded for the show. Oh, geez. So I'm glad yeah. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I well, definitely that's... noticed, too, because I, I remember commenting to you, Jessica, during the editing process as well as interviews were coming in and I was starting to work at piecing them together that your interview skills just, I mean, increased dramatically from one to the other. Because you really just got into a rhythm of doing yeah. it. It just became I, so natural. Well, first, thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate hearing that. And I feel the same way. Like, I feel like such a better podcaster and better interviewer after doing all those. I mean, I hear from YouTubers and, and even podcasters, they'll, they'll have challenges. Like, do so many videos or do so many shows in a very short amount of time because you just get so much better when you kind of I don't know, binge podcast, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I do feel like I got better. And Corey really helped me with that too. Just little tips along the way. Like he would say, you know, channel your, what do you say? Like channel your inner NPR personality. <laughs> right. <laughs> the thing was when we interviewed people, we didn't think it was just going to all, you know, it wasn't going to be the Eric Fisher episode, you know? We interviewed people about lots of different topics and then would take those pieces and their feedback and put them in the episodes where it made the most sense. So that allowed me to get on an interview and not feel like from the time I hit record to the time we hung up the phone that it had to be this perfect show, which is what I was used to. And what I do with my weekly podcast is like I hit record, do the intro, do the interview, do the out, you know, do the close and it's all one show. But with here, I didn't have to worry about like the perfect transitions or even phrasing questions perfectly because I knew that sometimes Corey wouldn't actually put the way I asked the question on. He would put the person's answer. So it was a really interesting process. And so let's touch on that for just a second. The idea for this, obviously, you had the idea post serial being a thing. However, I don't believe it was what convinced you to do this. In fact, I like that you actually touch on the serial phenomenon in this series and even back it up with some Tom Webster. Uh, what's the word? Analytics as to say that, you know what? Serial. Yeah, it, it broadened the. I don't know, vernacular. More people knew the word podcast, but it didn't do some huge spike. Is is that what I, I took that away? Is that what was true? I can honestly admit, Eric, I have yet to listen to Serial. <laughs> I, honestly, I've never heard the show. Well, there you that go. That was actually kind of an inner, when Corey brought this idea to me, a part of me was a little worried about what people would think because it was post-serial. And there was this, you know, I know that um, Pat Flynn did one episode, at least one episode of Smart Passive Income where he did the whole storytelling thing. And there was, you know, kind of a lot of um, people saying like, oh, everyone's going to jump on the storytelling bandwagon. So it was kind of, I was a little bit afraid in my head what people would think. But before even vocalizing that uh, fear, and I don't even think I said anything to Corey, I just thought, I don't care what people think, you know, because <laughs> there's always going to be critics. And and ultimately, like I, we just we wanted to create a really great show, and I knew that Corey could handle that kind of production. Well, and it's not serial's it, not a new thing. The the thing the serial serialized storytelling is not new. As of serial invented it, you know, this American Life, which that came from, has been doing it for years, and the radio has been doing it for years. And right. PR has been doing it for years. So 
the attention that it's gotten recently is, you know, it's that the mainstream rediscovered podcasting. It's not that podcasting ever went away, right? Right. Well, that's one of the the whole radio migration conversation was one that I really, really enjoyed in the podcast producers because, you know, in our community of podcasters and entrepreneurs and a lot of, you know, interview-based podcasts, we are so passionate. Like, we are podcasters. We are in podcasting. We are not in radio. And what I really learned is that we are all creating audio content, whether it's radio, whether it's podcast, it's all audio content. It just depends on where you put it out there. I interviewed for the show, Alex Goldman, who hosts Reply All, and and he's worked in um, you know at NPR for many years, and and he kind of you know said that because he was using radio and podcast interchangeably, and I'm like, well, okay, you're using both those terms. Well, what do you think about that? And he's like, it's all audio. You know, I watch Netflix. That's TV, or is it? Doesn't matter. Oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, that is brilliant. Yeah, because Netflix is like the podcast of cable TV, but it's all the same type of entertainment. Whether you have it playing through the FM station on your car radio or whether you play it through your podcast app, it's all audio content that you're consuming. So I just thought that was just a really interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I can't think of the article, but I read something a while back where it said Seinfeld is just Seinfeld. Seinfeld's not a TV show. It's not a DVD set. You know, it's not something that might appear on Netflix someday. It's just Seinfeld. You know, it's the, it's the media. That's it. Yeah, that's interesting. I know that, uh, Tom Webster and Mark Schaefer, if you're, I know you're familiar with Tom. Mm-hmm. They had a, a recent episode of a podcast they do together. I forget what it's called, but uh, they were talking about this very thing, that whole name, the name of podcasting. And I think I even mentioned this at one point in the conversation we had earlier, Jessica, was this idea that uh, the media moves on. It just keeps moving on. And, and radio is such a weird word in and of itself. Like, what the heck is a radio? Yeah. And then there's TV, television, you know, it's these weird words. And then blogging, you know, mm-hmm. weblog. What's a weblog? I don't know. And podcast. I mean, all the the words all stem from these original meanings that then become defunct in a sense. Right. Nobody carries around. I, I do. But nobody carries around iPods anymore. <laughs> and yet the content or the media that crawls along that is broadcasted out from those mediums is still in, it transforming, you know? So that was one of those really interesting to me topics that you tackled. And in fact, how did you decide, okay, what do we need to cover? The history, the business versus hobby, all these different topics. How did you narrow that down? You know, Jessica and I, we just shared like a Google spreadsheet. And we just started brainstorming, laying down these kind of bigger overarching topics. And then she and I just took what we had in front of us and kind of rearranged them in a way that we thought would be a good story arc. Uh, and then from there, we just started filling out who do we think are potentially interesting guests on each of these show topics? Um, what are some of the questions that we might want to cover in it? Um, and just kind of laid it all out that way. So it really just started with a lot of brainstorming, spitballing, throwing things at a wall, seeing what sticks. And then just continuing to rearrange everything that it looks like this might actually make logical sense to go from one to the other. Um, but we always kept the constraint, Eric. And that was the point, you know, like we talked about having a constraining deadline. We also set the constraint of having only 10 shows as tempting as it is. It's like, well, maybe we should do 12 because we don't cover this. It's like, no, everything's got to go into this box so that it comes out as a package. I know that on the website, you refer to it as season one. So does that mean you have other topics you would like to explore and potentially do a round two, a season two? I think so. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there is. The thing is, like when we started getting into these conversations, the funniest thing, Eric, was we would 
um, set aside what we expected to talk to a host about. And I think Jessica can speak to this really well too. We were thinking, okay, I'm going to talk to so-and-so about this particular topic and that topic because they are the authority in that field. But so often those conversations, because they were so natural, would stray into the other topics, into the other shows that we would go, oh my gosh. At first it's a little discouraging because it's like I didn't get the content that I was hoping from for that person. However, that's so valid in these other episodes that I think Jessica and I both found that it's like there's so many other areas that we could go into. We could do a little deeper dive and drill more down into some of these topics, uh, you know, and, and spawn a season two. Yeah, the workflow is really interesting. So Corey mentioned we just hopped on Skype together, had the Google spreadsheet open talked about all the different topics we wanted to cover, came up with an order for it, and then just went down the list and just started spitballing all these different names of people we thought of. You know, at first we would think a lot of like kind of the big names. And then I would say, all right, well, let's, you know, yeah, we want to have some well-known people and some big names, but we also really wanted to make sure that we were interviewing, highlighting podcasters that weren't necessarily just the big hitters. Like, for example, we didn't reach out to John Lee Dumas to have him on the show, not because we don't like John, but he's out there in podcasting. And and we just wanted to really kind of give the spotlight on the large podcasting community. So we went through and just thought of all these people we know, like when we were talking about, you know, making podcasting your business. I said, well, I work with Katie Kremitzos, host of Biz Woman Rock, and she is creating Biz Woman Rock as a business. And so we focused on that topic with her. At first, we were like, oh, John Lee Dumas. We're like, well, let's focus on maybe somebody in who's kind of been trained by John Lee Dumas. So we kind of thought about different people for different topics. So after we came up with all the different guests and guest ideas, you know, then I reached out and I did all the bookings. And then Corey and I just divided and conquered. We said, I'll interview this person. I'll interview this person. Sometimes like I knew the person, but we wanted it to be more of like a male-female interview. So we had, you know, Corey interview Katie. And then I interviewed some people that I didn't know that Corey thought of. And then for like the next two or three weeks, we just divided and conquered. We were just interviewing like every day. There was one week where I think I did like 10 interviews that week. (laughs) And then once we kind of finished all the interviews, that's when we kind of came back. And then Corey went into the editing room and kind of put it all together. So it was an intense two months. (laughs) Wow. Corey, how how did you approach that next, what we would consider post-production in the podcast or I guess all mediums. <laughs> in the audio medium. <laughs> in the audio mediums. Post-production can be a hang-up for a lot of people. They're saying, well, I've recorded a bunch of interviews, but I, I've got to go through and process them all. And, you know, I don't have an, an a, you know, a, a virtual assistant to help me with that. You did this. Like you took what you guys had at that point and then started to cut and stitch together the, the narrative with all these audio, length, lengthy audio clips. How did you do that? Well, it's easier for me, Eric, because it's what I do all day, right? It's what my company does. It's what my team does. It's what I love to do. And I knew when I talked to Jessica, it's like, I want this podcast to kind of be the dark side of the moon of podcasts, you know, where people like turn down the lights and crank up the stereo and listen to this thing, you know? So for me, I always kind of had that idea that I'm really doing a record. I'm creating an artistic piece that can be presented as a whole. Um, So for me, I was excited to dive into it. Um, the process itself was really straightforward. I set up what I considered editing bins. So I created basically 10 folders that were each of the show topics. And I just went minute through minute and listened to all the interviews. When something came out of that interview that was appropriate for one of those bins that represented the show, I clipped it out and put it in the bin. And then it was a matter of going through each of those bins and then start layering them out in order to start telling a story within that episode. 
Um, so some bins, for example, would maybe only have four or five interviews because I remember, for example, the network show, you know, Daniel J. Lewis had so much great information. We maybe only had four or five personalities on that one. Whereas on episode one, you know, everyone had a little bit to say about what is a podcast. So in that particular bin, there was maybe 15 or 20 different guests. And also we had to be careful to make sure that we laid it out in a way that there wasn't confusion on the part of the listener. Jessica and I know the voice and who we're talking to, but we needed to make sure that there was a way that the listener uh, was introduced to each of those people so that they weren't going, well, wait a minute, who's this person talking now? And who's this person talking? So that was kind of difficult. We really did it in a series of stages. The first being laying out the story arc in terms of having each of these guests in positions in the episode that we thought would might be appropriate. The second part is then going back uh, and Jessica and I each did independent narrations of maybe 15 or 20 minutes that were just on the topic, just kind of a brain dump monologue. So I had all these big pieces that I could move around and place interspersed amongst the interview clips. Then the third stage is going back with that and doing narration so that we can introduce those guests or we can link those pieces together. And then the fourth layer on top of that was using some great music that was provided by Anthony Weiss to really smooth out all the edges and then make it this kind of cohesive experience, this really pleasurable listening experience for everyone. Man, that's interesting. Even coming from somebody who produces, does post-production on a podcast, you know, almost weekly, I feel a little bit mind-blown listening to that whole process. And in a sense, though, feel like, wow, that's actually something within the grasp of more people than maybe they realize. And again, I'm not saying, hey, everybody go out and start doing serialized podcasts. However, I think it's one of those things that podcasts have not had enough of in terms of telling stories in that format from the non, you know, large budgeted studio type podcasts. Networks, yeah, well, I mean, know? from a production standpoint, uh, it's easier to do just a linear show, yeah. you know, where I'm going to do an intro, a little bit of an, uh, an interview, and then maybe some sort of call to action at the end, uh, which is 90% of the podcasters out there. And that makes sense. It's a super efficient way to get a lot of content out there. But I think when Jessica and I were talking, you know, we had a lot of back and forth on Skype during and before interviews, you know, those kind of tense moments before you get somebody on. And I think we just kept saying, remember that they're the ones telling the story. It's not us telling the story. Mm -hmm. Allow them to speak. Allow them to tell their position. And then we can go back and then we can put our interpretation around that as a frame. Yeah, that's a really good point. I remember <laughs> I remember many of those because we interviewed, you know, for me, I got on Skype with some people that I, you know, felt a little starstruck by. For um, for me, the biggest person was Alex Goldman, you know, who works at Gimlet Media and hosts Reply All. I was like, oh, I remember, you know, <laughs> Skyping Corey. Oh, my gosh, I'm about to interview you know, Alex <laughs> Golden, you know, like a super nice guy. And I think that really was the key in that. Yeah. So at the beginning of creating the show, we're like, OK, you know, this this needs to make sense for our businesses and and all that good stuff. But when we we got into producing it. It was never about what we do, who we are. Like we weren't the experts. We really wanted to give the platform to the guest. And our job as interviewers was to allow them to share their story, to share their expertise, to share their thoughts on all these different topics. And that I think was the key in, in allowing for a beautiful story. And then because we had that mindset in the interview, one of the parts that Corey kind of mentioned, but Corey and I then did two weeks every day at two o'clock. Corey and I got on Skype and just had conversations with each other mm -hmm. about the different topics. So in the show, there are solo pieces where Corey and I would each record our you know, so monologues about that topic. 
Then there were interviews that we put in. And then there were conversations between me and Corey, which I really wanted to get some of those raw episodes out because there were some hilarious conversations. I mean, there were times... I mean, certain topics like with the advertising episode and uh, networks, those were two episodes where... I don't have as much experience with advertising and I, I didn't know really what to say about networks either. They were just two newer topics. So Corey would say something totally profound and I'm like, I don't know what to say in response, Corey. <laughs> Please edit this out. <laughs> I forgot about that too. And there was such a nice rapport between you and I, which is I think for a lot of podcasters kind of that that's, it can be a pain point is getting the the back and forth between yourself and your co-host. I don't know. There has to be that sort of symbiosis and simpatico and I think, you know, Jessica and I sit on two kind of sides of the same camp uh, in a lot of regards in terms of some of these topics that we covered. You know, Jessica's very business focused. I'm very art focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really came through. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to see. I'd love to actually go back and listen through some of those conversations that Jessica and I had because they were really good. There was a neat flow to it. And I think it was super revealing in terms of just our perspective at that time. And more importantly, just it was very revealing to our personalities, which I don't think we utilized the podcast again to, to do. I don't think it was really to demonstrate who we are as people. Yeah. yeah. And that's something that I definitely just going back to kind of our complementary personalities. Yeah, I'm definitely more business focused and Corey is definitely more art focused. And, you know, there were times where a guy had some ideas about certain things and he's like, no, I really don't want it to be like that. And some of us like, come on, like, I want to, you know, let's get an opt in out there and let's build our list. And we didn't really like we have an opt in where it's like, join our list. And I don't know, Corey, how many people have joined that? Probably I- None, really? because that's not what we're because about. Because we didn't, yeah, we had, we, you know. I'll never forget, thought, I'll never forget the first one, which was, hey, you know, what we should do is do like an opt-in with a free report. I'm like, barf. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, was, yeah. Because oh, that was my, it. in my head, I'm like, I want to build my list and I want to quickly get people knowing who I am. But Corey really pushed against that. And at first I'm like, there were times where I'm like, God, really, Corey, come on. Like we're in business, you know, <laughs> well, <that's, laughs> but yeah, I, I have two, two questions here and we'll come back to the marketing piece of it. That's one I really want to talk a little bit more about, but I'm curious to see how did those conversations that the two of you had through the process of creating it? And, you know, you've already picked your topics. You've already picked who's going to speak to what topics, but how did those conversations you then had after doing some of those interviews how did the project itself adapt as you move forward? Corey, do you want to take that one? <laughs> yeah. You know, it was funny. I think there were a couple of conversations that Jessica and I were, were taping between her and I that we felt we're trying to retell the story that our guest told. And it's funny because when her and I were speaking, we might not have had time to hear the interview that we had just conducted with somebody else. So it was great because it worked out that her and I were talking about what some of the guests were saying. So even when her and I were talking to each other, it still became very guest-centric. But we also, I think, just hit stop a couple times and said, you know what? I don't really have anything more to say about this. Yeah. It's so well covered by the guest. I don't want to pollute it with our opinions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I really respect that. Like, you guys stayed focused the whole time and just said, the story is about podcasting and the guests are the ones that are telling it. Yeah, exactly. And with Corey, just kind of one more thought about <laughs> Corey really kind of getting the business out of me throughout this process. I think one of the overarching kind of lessons and themes of the show was focus on producing really good content. First and foremost, in a podcast, in producing radio, focus on really, really good content and kind of the marketing and exposure and all that good stuff kind of follows naturally. 
And I kind of went into it originally thinking like, all right, I'm going to think about the marketing of it. This is going to be great for business. We're going to promote our businesses. And Corey's like, no, I don't want to really even say our business name on the show. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually a really, really good decision. I mean, I'm obviously like we said who we are kind of in the show, but it was a really good decision because the effects of it are kind of people are really being attracted to the content and being impressed by that first rather than seeing a, a marketing aspect to it. And so Corey the, was yeah, right. I was say, coming back around, <laughs> so, so coming back around to the marketing of this serialized story in audio format, man, that's a lot of words. We got to think of better ways to talk about this stuff sometimes. <laughs> the piece of work, the art, the story standing alone on its own, you know, standing tall on its own, I guess is the best, best way to put it is, Create good stuff and that itself will market itself in a way. Is that kind of what you were going for? I mean, not, not you, Jessica, yeah. but Corey. Okay. <laughs> um, I, you know, Eric, it's funny because I, I work so much on the front end of creating content that I'm, I'm less and less interested on the secondary stage. And that's the marketing aspect of it. There's people who are experts at it. They're really good in that field. And I let them to it because honestly, marketing to me is just kind of black magic voodoo, rubber chicken, you know, dance around the room and something happens. I don't understand it. For me, it, it always had been about, let's just create something that other people will naturally talk about. Um, if they yeah. like it, they will share it with other people. And that's all there is to it for me. I know there's probably a marketing strategy that should be employed. And Jessica and I have talked about now that we're going into June, you know, we're going to go ahead and push things out a little bit more and remind people that this thing is out there because there, I think there were a lot of people who didn't get to it back in April. But at the end of the day, it really just came down to, I felt like, a, especially a lot of the guests who participated in the program, they believed in it enough to start marketing it out to their channels. I know that's kind of a technique a lot of podcasters use. It's like, well, I'll get this high profile guest and he or she will share it with their massive audience. And then we, ergo, will get all these subscribers. I've seen that being pretty limited in its effectiveness. Yeah. But I think it's a little different here, though, because, you know, just such as you, Eric, it's like you actually listen to the show, you enjoy it, and now you're willing to maybe promote it out to people because you believe in the product. And that's what we found. I think, Jessica, when I talked to a lot of people in Las Vegas who had just listened to the show, they said, oh my gosh, I just binged listened to all 10 episodes of this. What can I do to help you to let other people know about this? And I said, just, you know, post it out there. Let people know. Just point to it. So that's... Yeah. The marketing conversation is interesting because quite frankly, like we could do a lot more in marketing this show. And to be really honest with you, we have a Google document, I think called marketing plan, and it currently is empty. <laughs> we have a document. <laughs> I said, because, you know, as we were finishing up, you know, we finished all the interviews, Corey's and editing, I'm like, okay, I'm going to create a marketing plan. And um, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so we create a lot of graphics. We created a graphic for each guest. So each guest had a you know graphic with their photo on it. And we went through a number, of, you know, got a number of quotes and kind of created some graphics and, and put them out on social media. But uh, it's funny, actually, I put out a video today about, you know, interviewing guests because they have a large following because a lot of podcasters do that. They only want to interview people because they have a large following. And yeah, you know, yes, we booked some guests with that are big names, but it was really it was around the content. You know, we never booked some of these big guests because we thought they would share it. That was never the thought process. In fact, right. you know, some of the people that are sharing it the most are listeners who weren't on the show, who right. just genuinely really like it. For us, the marketing has been so far, you know, we share it and promote it. I, you know, have in my newsletter, it's something that we point to as a resource when people ask questions. But I don't know about you, Corey, I never 
I don't think we did any like Facebook ads. I mean, there was really nothing like super marketing or strategic in the uh, promotion of it. We just kind of put it out there. And, and we do. I mean, I traveled a whole lot this spring, you know, after we put it out there. So we keep saying, all right, we got to get together and see what we can do to kind of promote it more and market it. But it was our focus was so much on creating the show that there was no Twitter strategy. There was no Facebook strategy. It was just, let's create an amazing show, put it out there share it and all that good stuff, build relationships with our listeners and the guests and see what happens. And I know that's there's so much more we could do, but that's kind of where we're at at the game right now. Yeah. yeah and we, we kind of built a little bit, you know, ahead of launch and after launch. I think we, we really just kind of inundated Facebook and Twitter with everything during those yeah. that two week period. And there's a point where you kind of I felt like just personally, I got to back off this a little bit now because you just feel like, well, this is getting a little self-bloviating. <laughs> yeah. And we wanted you know? to be a show that's long-term. So we purposefully didn't want to yeah, inundate our social media followings and our list with this show in the first couple of weeks because you know, I think we got some like new and noteworthy love, but it wasn't about the high rankings on iTunes right away because we want this to be a show that people listen to and can use as a resource for years to come. Um, so we weren't really worried about this huge marketing push at launch. Yeah. We launched it, but it we didn't really talk about a launch plan. It's not a go, it's not it's not really a going concern. It's a book on a shelf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you create a, a bestseller, no, let's change that word. Let's not say bestseller. Let's say <laughs> if you create a really good book, mm-hmm. it will consistently sell for a very long time. Right. And eventually you see it start the hockey puck or mm-hmm. not puck, hockey stick where it goes mm-hmm. up. That's awesome. So yeah, you you guys finished basically. I mean, you're you're done. I mean, it's basically it's done. It's out there for about a month now, a little over a month, month and a half. Yeah. And what's the next part of the project? Again, season two is something you're feeling the need and desire to do. But how soon do you move on to, to moving into doing that? Oh, well, especially with new kids coming into. Yeah, that's what I told Corey. I'm like, you know, we waited till it was out. We said, let's not decide. I mean, we called it season one, not knowing if we were going to do a season two. But we said, let's see what the response is. If there's a really positive response, if people really like it, if we don't hate each other at the end of this, then we'll do we'll do a season two. But I did say, even at that point, like it can't happen until late 2015 or early 2016, because I'm having a baby in August. And it's just, you know, I can't kind of take on a whole project like this again. But we are talking about some things for the summer. I don't know, just to... Well, Corey, what do you want to share? <laughs> I don't mind teasing it a little bit yeah. because, you know, as, as we were just talking about earlier, there were a lot of interviews in long form that were really fascinating and really fun. So we've been discussing releasing some of those interviews just in long format, just raw, unedited interviews available. So kind of, you know, people who want to do, again, that drill down a little bit deeper into those conversations uh, and just have, hey, here's the whole 30-minute call that we had with Eric Fisher, uh, making those available kind of in the meantime to keep people's whistles wet. Yeah. So we're talking about, yeah, kind of like season one uncut maybe because, and there were some interviews that, you know, we only used a few minutes of, um, a lot was left on the cutting room floor and, and they're quite entertaining actually, because I mentioned we didn't, you know, hit record and treat it as a whole show. I mean, I remember when I interviewed Mary and Blake Larson who host, um, they host a few different podcasts, a couple of entertainment shows, a parenting show. And, you know, we're friends. They live locally. We both have kids the same age. And I remember like at the end of the interview, gosh, it's 830 at night. I got to go eat my bagel for dinner. Like there's funny stuff like that that I think people would like because they'll sound good, but they wouldn't be super polished. Like we both look like perfect podcasters, you know? 
Yeah, and I think a lot of people are asking about the behind-the-scenes stuff. They want to know what went into making this show, and it's super revealing if they can hear the raw, unedited interviews. They can go, wow, okay, I see how they kind of maybe took this and turned it into that. Um, so I think there's a, there's a small number of people that might be interested in hearing that kind of stuff. You know, it's the extended version of the DVD with, you know, yeah. all yeah. of the extra, extra features on there. I think and there's some even, folks that would love it because they're all podcast producers themselves. So they kind of geek out on this stuff too. Yeah. We even had friends say like, oh, you could sell this whole thing. Or we even, <laughs> oh, I barf. even said, maybe we'll <laughs> I know, right? We never, I, not even me, I didn't even want it to be a, something that we sold. But there was a time we're like, oh, maybe we could use the raw interviews of the list builder. I'm like, no, let's just put it out there because let's just put it out there, you know? Let's just have people listen to it and enjoy it and just kind of have it be a new type of show. And I think that we would follow the same model, like, you know, sometime in the middle of the summer, just put out 10 more raw interviews just to kind of uh, give people their podcast producers fix. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that this episode right here becomes a little bit of a taste for what's to come. And since you guys won't be looking to build your lists and people will know. People can join our individual list. There you at, go. That's uh, what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying here as we as we close here. Um, people should go check out thepodcastproducers.com. But also you two should tell people where to find each other individually. Corey, it's okay to do it now. You yes. can share. Now the time. Granted. Yes, this is the appropriate place to <laughs> Corey, you market can go first. yourself briefly. Um, you can just go to podfly.net, and that's my production company. Uh, and there's also links out to the podcast producers there as well. So um, that's probably the easiest way to find me. Or you know what? If you just Google my name, Corey Coates, all my other stuff pops up. Don't Google my name because you'll find a bunch of porn stars. <laughs> and but if you <laughs> if you go to um, my home base, my blog is Jessica Rhodes. That's R-H-O-D-E-S, jessicarhodes.biz. There are links to everything else from there. My business is at interviewconnections.com if you want to check out what I do um, in my business. But yeah, jessicarhodes.biz and you'll see links to everything else from there. Awesome. Guys, this has been fun for me and that's what a good show should be. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having us. This was really a lot of fun. This was the first time Corey and I got back on a podcast together since making the show. So this was awesome. Nice. Yay. As a listener of podcasts, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. You owe it to yourself also as a listener of podcasts and a fan of podcasts to go check out The Podcast Producers. And you can easily find that over at thepodcastproducers.com. Make sure to let Jessica and Corey know if you enjoyed this episode and the work that they put into the Podcast Producers Project. If you're interested in getting started with better audio editing, don't forget my recommendations this week for lynda.com courses are to go check out and type in the word Audacity, go check out and type in GarageBand, and Adobe Audition. Those are the three different podcast editing tools that I've used. I know there's actually even more in there, like ProLogic, Pro Tools, Logic, whatever. They're in there. You can get whatever your podcast editing tool of choice is, and maybe you've not figured that out yet. Maybe that's what you need to do is go in there and figure out which of your tools is the one that you need to to choose. You can get a great overview and expert walkthrough of which tools to use and why. So help support this show and help support yourself by going to lynda.com slash T-O-D-O and get that free trial from lynda.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next episode.
Beyond the To Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award winning and award nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast. Theorize over the TV shows Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and Under the Dome. Laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx.